Fairy tales do not tell children that dragons exist. Children already know that dragons exist. Fairy tales tell children dragons can be killed. G.K. Chesterton. On Halloween night, five little creatures showed up on Mrs. Peterson's porch, yelling, trick or treat, and one by one they walked up to get their commensary candy. And so the first one showed up at the, at the, uh, at the front of her porch, you know, dressed in his Kansas City Chiefs uniform. She said, now, who are you supposed to be, little boy? And he said, oh, I'm Patrick Mahomes. I'm, I'm an awesome quarterback. And she said, wow, well, I don't watch football, but I'm sure that you definitely look just like him. And he smiled and jumped off the porch. Next, a girl showed up with a very, very tiny dress and, and three-inch heels, very disproportionate for her 10-year-old frame, glitter all over her face and her hair. And she said, wow, didn't you get dressed up for tonight? And the 10-year-old girl said, of course I did. She said, well, who are you tonight? And she said, I'm Taylor Swift. I'm a wonderful singer. You know, and she jumped off the porch with her little bit of candy. Next, another little boy showed up, but this one looked more dead than alive, and his, his fake eye was hanging out of his forehead, and he had put way too much blood on his clothes and way too much fake blood on his face, and you know, he, he was a little hard to you know, see his, his little, uh, you know, his little uh, mouth. And he said, well, who are you supposed to be? And he said, well, of course I'm a zombie. I'm a zombie that's been eating a lot of people tonight. He said, ooh, that's ghastly. That's disgusting. Oh, here, take a handful of candy. And he said, oh, thank you. And he joyfully jumped off the porch. And then and then next, you know, a another, uh, you know, little uh, little girl walked up and, you know, and uh, she had a cape on. And uh, the woman, uh, you know, Mrs. Peters, you know, she, she asked, well, well, who are you supposed to be? you know, on this night. And she said, well, I am, you know, Miss Marvel. I'm a superhero. She said, wow, wonderful. I can tell by your cape and your boots that you're a superhero. And lastly, there was another little girl and she, you know, slowly came up and she was dressed in a white, in, in white and blue, a blue, blue veil. And the, uh, Mrs. Peterson hadn't seen anybody that night like her. And she said, no, little girl, who are you supposed to be? And a big smile came across the little girl's face. She probably wasn't more than seven years old. And she said, oh, Mrs. Peterson, I'm a real superhero. And she said, well, who is that? She said, well, I've intimidated drug dealers. I've saved children. I've saved adults. I've fed lots and lots of starving people and helped people to feel good when they were really lonely. And I really, I really made a difference. And she said, well, who are you? She said, I'm Mother Teresa of Calcutta. She said, wow, don't meet people like you on this night usually. She said, well, you did tonight. She jumped off the porch. What do you want your kids to pretend to be? We want them to pretend to be monsters. We want them to pretend to be celebrities. We want them to pretend to be famous football and sports stars. We want them to be all these things, but why don't we want them to be holy? Why is it that we've forgotten that in the essence of Christianity, we have to start putting on the costume of Jesus Christ 
to learn how to be like him. And Halloween is a very weird time. But I want to take it back. Because like all these things that have been corrupted, they were, in their essence, very good and wonderful. For those people who are unaware, the, the Halloween comes from the event of All Hallows' Eve, meaning it is the day, the eve before All Saints' Day. And it's, it's fascinating. Whenever we have these uh, very uh, sacred events, there's always a, a culturally corruptive event or a movement to almost squash the reality, the spiritual reality and the goodness that is present by making everything always usually more pagan and more Gnostic, removing the meaning, removing the spiritual understanding of what the night was. So one of the, the, the key things here, is, this is a battle for children's imagination. Imagination is a gift, and it informs the intellect. It's, it's how young children really perceive and understand and come to understand reality. So they tell stories, they play dress-up, they play pretend. I, at this point of this recording, I have a four-year-old son who likes to change into like 36 different costumes a day. He's been every type of Spider-Man there is. And he loves that. He loves to change into different things, right? And, and so human beings are designed to change into something. We're all designed to change into something. And so that, that is at the core of this whole dialogue is human beings are, the point of life is to change more into God. And so Jesus Christ becomes man, right? Both God and man. And he literally lives among us and gives us a representation of what we could change into. C.S. Lewis talks about this almost, he, he says he hesitates almost in uh, a concern of blasphemy that to be Christian is to actually take on the costume of Jesus Christ, almost like we're going to play pretend and pretend to be Jesus Christ. Now, that is a powerful understanding, though, of Christianity. Because we really don't know what it's like to be Jesus Christ. Uh, case in point, back in the 90s, they had the what would, you, what would Jesus do bracelets, right? What would Jesus do bracelets? And they did not work because people really didn't know how to think like Jesus because they didn't listen to him, right? And if you don't listen to Jesus, you don't know how to act like him or think like him. If you fast forward to like the last, I don't know, couple years, there's been a show, whether people like it or not, called The Chosen. And Jonathan Rumi plays Jesus. And, and a couple of years ago during COVID, he did an interview, which I thought was fascinating about. Um, so he is a Catholic, you know, whether the show follows everybody's uh, personal, uh, you know, appropriateness of the Gospels is you can leave that up to yourself. But but he, he, he I think, does an excellent job you know, presenting who Jesus is like in an act as an actor. Right. And so he's talking about the. The, 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 uh, the idea that he is to play Jesus and, and what that's done for him spiritually. And he says, the more that you, you, you have to you know, imagine Jesus and you have to pretend to be him, it actually informs more and more of your thoughts and you, you, you have a, a greater fluidity of how to act and engage in, in situations in your life. Um, because he's literally having to think like Jesus and act like him on camera. So now in his personal life, well, don't you get a deeper understanding of who Jesus is? And I think we, we forget this. If I don't imagine who Jesus is, if I cannot start to imagine who Jesus is, then how can he inform my intellect? And the same thing with children, right? Without the use of their imagination, without protecting it and forming it and guiding it, they do not know how to form their intellect guide their intellect towards higher realities, 
you know, to convert their behavior and their habits into the identity of, of being an actual Christian person. And so if the imagination is, is corrupted, right, which I would argue has been the case, what we end up getting is we get consumers, right? If we look at our, uh, our community, right, you know, our people, right? I was at Home Depot a couple weeks back and there was a man there. He was asking to get five or six of these giant skeletons. Maybe you have them out by your neighborhood. And I think each one is about $300. So he was going to spend probably anywhere from fifteen to $1,500 to $2,000 on these skeletons. And the problem, I, I mean, not, not the problem that he saw, but I saw was, well, why are you doing this? Why do you need six of these giant skeletons for maybe 30 days, maybe 30 days of the of the year, um, because I don't think most people keep up these giant skeletons all year round. And who told you to do that? And and ironically, I don't think that he realized that he was just programmed to do it. He was programmed to do it because, again, he's not aware of, of how much influence his intellect has been uh, affected by the culture and how it drives the behavior and the habits. And at this time of technological advancement, technology knows what you watch, what you look at, what you click on. It knows exactly what goes on in your home in terms of what your children watch. And it knows how to adapt to get you to buy more things. And so instead of us reaching higher realities, instead of us getting closer to God or thinking about the things that God would have us do, instead of pretending to be Jesus Christ and trying to become holy, instead what we've become is consumers. And isn't that what we see at almost every holiday right now? You are going to see Thanksgiving pop up in a second, and you're going to see, um, you know, uh, by the time Thanksgiving's here, Christmas will be here too. And everything keeps speeding up because people don't understand the spiritual reality or the meaning behind these events in the calendar, right? And, 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 and so the more that you don't know why we're doing things and the more that things lose their meaning, right, because they're because it's just another thing, right? If you ask a lot of the children who are in mainstream, uh, you know, schools under the, uh, you know, uh, you know, I would say like from, you know, 12 and under, they don't even know what Christmas is about. They think it's a time that you just give gifts. Kids in high school think Jesus Christ is a, a fictitious character or some, some person who was an imaginary person that, that had a lot of good things to say. They're completely removed from the narrative of re- revelation from God, you know, at all, like they have no concept, right? Um, and, and so we, who, what is forming the imaginations of our children? What is forming our own mind? And we see it on display in Halloween. We see what it is that we want to pretend. We want to be famous. We want to be celebrities. We want to be, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, powerful. You know, or we're, or we're fixated on the destructive tendencies. We, we, we like the blood and the guts and the gore. And, and none of this should surprise us because we, we really, a lot of us don't have much direction anymore. So, so one of the key things when you think about taking back Halloween is you, you have to start permitting your kids to be bored if you want to protect their imagination. Because to be bored is to generate and look for ways to work out reality. So if you leave a kid alone, right, for a couple minutes, you know, they're going to get frustrated. But then you'll come back 20 minutes later and they will come up with a game. Back in the day, you could just put a group of kids in a basement and yeah, maybe they would squabble for a little bit, but then they'd come back and they'd come up with their own society. They'd come up with their own game. I've seen my own kids do this multiple times. 
But if kids aren't allowed to be bored, they've got a phone, they've got games, they've got video games, they've got, you know, TV with every show imaginable that they can like watch at any point. They don't even have to wait for the TV shows they want. They have immediate access because they're not able to be bored. They don't even know how to activate their imagination. And if you don't have, if you don't have like the ability to be bored, you cannot be creative and you cannot, you know, you cannot start to generate greater health of the imagination. And so what takes place, and this is a huge concern when it comes to a lot of the movements and in our, our popular culture, especially in the world of transgenderism, which is not going to be covered in this podcast, um, is is that now we have the mass spectrum where people have access and influence to our children, right? Because if you cannot be bored and you you are not necessarily, uh, you know, creating things, you know, you are ripe to be brainwashed. You're ripe, ripe to, for somebody to come in and, you know, organize your mind for you. And so like, you know, you know, Disney tells you what is cool. Amazon tells you what is cool. You know, the, 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 the people in pro sports tell you what is cool. And, and you're not aware of who it is is telling you what to do. Why are you wearing what you're wearing? Why did you buy that car? Who told you that you needed to buy, you know, an Audi? Who told you that you needed to buy a Toyota or a Lexus or whatever it is? Who told you that you need this thing? You need this size house. Who told you these things? Where did it come from? And a lot of us need to, like, we want to have our children be aware of why they're doing what they're doing. And we want children to have deliberate uh, habits of identity. And, and the identity has to be of a healthy origin and toward a higher reality. Otherwise, if we're not shooting towards a higher reality, we're going to go into a destructive tendency. Um, and oftentimes, you know, instead of imagination, right, instead of the dream, what we have is the nightmare. And so that is why we see so much darkness, right? Because instead of there being imaginative play, instead of there being hope and an aspiration for virtue, there is nothing. And so in the absence of that, there is only the self. In the absence of uh, like a, a higher call, in the absence of pursuit of virtue, there is nothing but, but just to, to cling to myself. And when I cling to myself, pride builds. And when pride builds, fear builds. And you have a nightmare. And why not get comfortable with the nightmare? Why not actually find it attractive? You know, why not make nightmares the new thing? Why not make ugliness the new attractiveness, right? You know, the, the, you know, the, the, you know the, the concepts of immortality and power and recklessness that come from horror films, right? Horror films are fascinating because in many ways they're devoid of virtue in many ways. But the people who are virtuous, right? You know, oftentimes, like, those people are preserved. Unless you're in a Stephen King novel, then those people are usually toast, right? Have you ever wondered what the leading cause of divorce is? It's not addiction, infidelity, lack of intimacy, or incompatibility. It's actually criticism. Criticism underlies all the behaviors that lead to divorce. Criticism kills connection between married couples. If you want to learn ways to stop criticizing and start connecting with your spouse, check out heartsrenewed.org for dynamic exercises on how to shape new conversations with your spouse that will give you the kind of marriage you signed up for, all from the comfort of your home. Now, the weird thing about 
evil and especially horror movies. The devil loves horror movies because for the most part, what they do is they make him uh, invisible, right? He doesn't like to be seen. So these monsters are scary, but they're not actually in any way reflective of like the real evil, right? If you look for real evil, right? If you want to see a movie about real evil, watch, um, you know, what is it? Uh, Nefarious, the movie Nefarious. That's a movie about real evil. But the weird part about that movie is for the most part, real evil is much more like robotic. It is pure in many ways, just, you know, just almost like this pure intellect, right? You know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not what people would expect. So werewolves and vampires, the devil has no problem with your kids being afraid of werewolves or Darth Vader or, you know, those things reflect a very shadow image of what evil really is. But the evil in the world, you know, anything to distract us from what real evil is. Real evil is not a werewolf. Real evil is abortion. Real evil is is not, you know, uh, vampires or, you know, some space alien. Real evil is, you know, suicide. Real evil is despair. Real evil is you know, infidelities and dishonesties and, you know, genocide and, you know, violence to yourself and violence to other people and, you know, the the evils of pornography. But we will not talk about that. We, We can talk about these fictional stories. We can show them pictures of werewolves and romantic comedies about zombies. That is that is going to confuse people and make it harder to recognize evil. And that is something important is again, help your child to recognize the evil of the world, not to date evil, not to be desensitized to evil, but to recognize it and to root it out from our life, to root it out from our families, and then to, and to increase in the virtue in the world so that we can root it out of our world, you know, through increasing in love. Again, we don't we don't get rid of the evil by getting violent so much as we we become violent towards ourselves and make ourselves holy men and women. Um, that's what we need. The, the second thing that you really want to expose your kids to are is the reality that goodness exists. Right now, there's just, there's so much darkness in the world, and uh, you know, and Peter Kreeft, you know, you know, I, I heard him say recently, if we want to combat the darkness. It's very simple. You just need to light a candle. And so I think that we have to expose children to the real, the reality of goodness, that goodness exists, holiness exists. Your children need to be exposed to saints and legends, the heroes of our time. They, they need to not be scoffed at. They need to not be hidden, right? You know, there are not, a, what is being promoted is that goodness is a fiction. Right. Goodness is something you see in the movies, right? If heroes exist, they're in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, you know, but while you're watching people do imaginary things, you're not developing virtue, nor are you thinking that it's even attainable. And yet we know these young people want, they want the the the, the, the hero. They want it. Like I've said in an earlier podcast, when we, we talk about surviving the real zombie apocalypse, there is a growth in the world where they want more and more hero movies. Why? Because people want to believe in the reality of goodness. They, they, they have it in their, their heart. And young people want to aspire to greatness. So don't hide that from them. Find out about the saints. Find out and read stories about them. Educate them about the, the heroes of our country or our world or Christendom. 
you know, these things exist. They're not in, you know, in a video, right? They're real people that had real lives. And how did they do it? Study them, have your kids be interested in them. You know, remember, like, it's, it's, it's almost like I, like I've said before, it's, you can be anything. The devil would like your kids to pretend to be anything, but Jesus Christ, pretend them, they, they can be anything, right? Um, but Jesus Christ, because if, if they get close to him, then, then the game is over for him. And so we want to have them encounter these many people, these people that really existed, these real heroes that were holy, that transformed the world, that shaped history. Some are acknowledged, some are not. And we, but, but they need to see it. Why? Because then their imagination starts to think, well, well, could I do that? How did they do that? What would that be like? And we want to start a fire for love of God in young people's hearts. And maybe they don't even know God yet, but they know what goodness and beauty is. They know how to recognize it. They know how to see goodness and holiness, even if even if it's in a, a person they never met. They know that the story of Joan of Arc is remarkable. They know that the stories of, of, of these war heroes are remarkable. But what gave them the capacity for these things? What allowed people to move beyond their limitations and their fears. So again, I, I think that it's important. We, we need to let the child be creative, stimulate the imagination. We need to expose the child to things that are going to actually allow the child to grow. The, the culture has no interest in developing your kids only so far as they can use them, okay? And they, they're using you too, right? Um, and, uh, you know, so it's important that we start to meditate on the things that are worth thinking about and paying attention to so that we don't get taken out of, out of commission. Now, the other thing that I guess is important to note about like this whole idea of taking back Halloween is we need to stop engaging the culture with fear or anger. People are like, I'm disgusted. My neighbor has all of these haunted houses on their lawn, or I'm so disgusted. These these girls or these boys, they walk around the neighborhood with terrible things and they scare my kids. I get the fact that this is happening. And yes, you need, but you need to understand and accept the fact that this is the culture your kids are growing up in. It does not mean that we stop there, but you cannot run away from it. That is not what, what Christ asks us to do. He asks us to engage in it. Not to start a little commune, not to gossip and complain about our neighbors. We have to figure out how to engage the culture and to figure out how to engage it in such a way to make ourselves more attractive. And so, again, I know a lot of people, and you got to do what is appropriate for your family, right? And then so some people, they don't do, they, they, they do something, they don't do trick-or-treating, right? But again, trick-or-treating is an American thing. Like there's many different cultural ways to celebrate the holiday, um, the holiday which really precedes All Saints Day, right? This awareness, right? This awareness that, evil does exist. That's important. Your kids need to know evil exists. Pretending evil doesn't exist is not fair to your kids. So that's one reality that needs to be educated on. Um, I think many people are uh, afraid of that. It's not showing your kid a horror movie, right? So educate your kids on, on evil. Educate your kids on the fact that like that you know, that there is such a thing as a, as a person, as the devil, and he doesn't really, he wants to see them, uh, you know, in hell. And you have to figure out the age appropriateness of that. But to deny your kids the realities of evil and to just give them like magical, wonderful, fluffy things uh, and just say, well, that's kind of ridiculous. 
So does it mean that they have to be out there on the streets doing, you know, you know, the, the, the trick or treat thing. It doesn't mean that they can't do trunk or treat. It doesn't mean that you can't just keep your normal fall fest thing. I don't care about any of that. You can do whatever it is that's appropriate for your family, but it is important that you educate your children on evil because evil is something we are in conflict with if we want to rise to holiness. So you need to be aware of that. And your kids need to know what they're imitating. Are they imitating evil or are they imitating the good? I, I never dressed up as a monster as a kid. I, I never did. I'm not saying that it never was appealing to me. I never wanted to look like a zombie. I never wanted to look like a vampire. I don't think I ever dressed up as a, um, as, as a, something that was super dark. Um, and that was my choice. I don't know if my, my parents would have cared. I, I don't know. Um, but my point is, is that your children, what they choose to dress up, if that is something that they choose to do, pay attention to that. Why is it that they're dressing like this? You know, um, your teenage daughters, your sons, you know, the younger kids, what are they imitating? Where is that coming from? And again, if they're not, if they're not aware of evil, they don't even understand what they're doing. And and so then it's the culture that is, uh, you know, moving everybody, right? So Halloween is a fascinating time because it'll tell you how much influence the culture has on your children. Again, are they going out there and are they, are they dressed like, you know, monsters? Are they dressed like superheroes? You know, again, very few people are dressed up like saints, right? Again, maybe we should all be doing that when we show up on All Saints Day at Mass, right? But that's really like, that's really an important thing. And again, uh, this is not to moralize the wearing of costumes. Like I said, costume wearing and wanting to change is innately human. That's why I think it's a wonderful thing. We just have to know what we want to change into. And so it's important that we understand and distinguish and, and explore what is evil and to talk about our kids at age appropriate levels about what evil is. Because if we don't, they're not going to be able to recognize it. And right now they don't recognize evil. You know, there was a, you know, a young, a young man, he was, uh, he was scandalizing his mother because he told his mother, uh, there was a mass shooting in Buffalo, right? Where, uh, terrible atrocity of violence. And, you know, his mother was shocked by it. She brought it up, uh, you know, to him and, and they had brought it up obviously at school and he was nine years old and, you know, you know, his response after like the, like talking about it at the dinner table was, you know, well, this is just no different. I don't know why everybody's so upset. This is no different than the video games that I play every day. Well, that's insane that that young people, little kids don't understand the value of life. They don't understand what's happening around them. They don't understand the the rate of violence. They're that disconnected because they see it that much, you know, they're seeing it, uh, you know, on their, on their phones, they're seeing it in their computer games. And so we need to talk about evil. Not, not to give it attention, you know, because it loves attention, but to, but to make sure that we can protect our minds. And to, again, it is about instructing the intellect in developing virtuous habits so that that costume of Christ is built. Because hopefully at the end of our life, we are wearing a costume that looks a lot like Jesus. So people mistake, people, people will mistake uh, me for Jesus. I would love it if people mistake me for Jesus at, my li- at the end of my life. You know, Mother Teresa said that herself. She said, you know, that, uh, you know, I, I, I pray that when people see me, they don't see me. They don't see Teresa. They see Jesus Christ. That's what we want. We want to have cultivated an ability to do that. We can't do that if we don't acknowledge the evil in the world and the evil in ourselves. 
And be mindful about what you allow into your homes because once the enemy is through the gate, it's very hard to get it out. It's a lot easier to stop it at the gate. So to kind of recap from this, right, is, is we need, if we're going to, if we're going to do this, you know, take back Halloween, we have to be clear about a couple things. Halloween exists to remind us that we're called to holiness. Halloween exists so that we're reminded the fact that evil exists as well. And evil stands in the way of us growing to being the, the reflections of Christ in the world. If we are going to take back Halloween, we have to protect our children's imaginations and allow them to be bored. Allow them to be bored so that they can become creative and work out reality and become mentally strong so that they can resist the pull of the culture and 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 be formed, you know, without you know this 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 massive manipulation into consumerism. The second part here is that we need to be able to, um, you know, be clear that there is, you know, you know, evil in the world, and to talk about that, and to make sure that kids can distinguish that, and to appraise our life, and to talk about that in an appropriate way with our kids, so that they know how to deal with evil and, you know, what the sacraments are used for and, you know, where uh, their faith lies in the face of evil so that they can distinguish from it so that they can also grow in virtue. Um, we want to create, you know, you know, again, rituals that connect us to the reminder for holiness, right? And they, they remind us of the fact that we're called to, to, to sanctity, you know, um, and then we are also going to engage against evil. And Christ is the one who has to conquer that, not us. He's the one who, who, who gets rid of all of the monsters, not people. You know, Christ's, Christ will, will, will operate in our life so that we can, you know, do that. Um, and then, you know, we, we, we need to be able to engage the culture. If, if you're doing things in your family around this time that do not help you to increase in good and engage the culture, instead you're running away from the culture, well, I think that there's too much fear there. It doesn't mean you have to do what other people are doing, but there needs to be a healthy way for you to engage the culture and to become attractive so that people can see that candle in the darkness. So whether that's your family goes to mass and they're all dressed like saints, whether it is that you have some, you know, some fall party, you know, whether you do go out trick or treating, but again, what you're doing is, 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 is very deliberate. And again, we're not trying to glorify evil. You know, the, the goal is, you know, to, uh, you know, increase in love and to, and to, again, change into, you know, Jesus Christ. And, and that's what we want for our kids. And we need more uh, Jesus Christ costumes out there. We, we need less of these monsters. And, but, but, but people are asleep to that reality. So make sure that your home, your family, it moves with hope and joy. That you and your family are people of hope and joy. Super important. So whatever you do for Halloween, it should be attractive to you and to your children and to other people so that they can see the candle in the darkness. Remember, if it's not attractive, it's probably not holy, because holiness is the most attractive thing. And obviously, evil can be alluring, and it distracts us, um, but holiness is the most attractive thing. And so it will help us to get at that, right? Because we need to light that candle in the darkness, and we need to make sure that people can see it. 
So go out and smuggle some hope wherever you can. We all need it. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Smuggling Hope. If you want to maximize the impact of the podcast you just listened to, try to find one thing that you thought was helpful and teach and share it with somebody in your life. When you teach and share what you've learned, it stays with you, and it helps to internalize what we've learned and get that seed to grow. I hope that the seeds of hope continue to grow in your life.